I have this thing that often happens in my life where I, I get to this point where I'm like, oh, I'm not very fit. I need to get more fit. And then I'm like, hey, you know what? I also don't want just to be fit. I want to be buff. I want to have, you know, great abs and I want excellent biceps and I want, you know, great pecs. This would be amazing. So I like, I get this plan. Like what I need is I need to make sure I've, I've got everything I need to get that done. I need motivation. So I might be like, all right, I need new running shoes. I need running shorts. I need a running shirt so I can go running and I'll be fit. And so I'll go out and get that stuff. Or I'm like, I need an app, an app which will make me do push-ups and sit-ups. Or I need a gym membership so I can go to the gym. Or I need, I need a chin-up bar. For Christmas last year, I got a chin-up bar. And I get all these things I, and then I'm ready to get fit and buff. And so I start doing those things and I'm getting fitter and buffer for about two days and then I stop. <laughs> and then I think about it like, oh, I should do that. And then I never get back to it. And so I just have all this stuff that I've got for my fitness and my health and it never really works. I get all this extra equipment, but it doesn't change me because the problem is it's not the equipment that's the problem. It's not all the outside things that I add to my life which is gonna make me fit. The problem is me, that I am just lazy. <laughs> and I don't wanna get fit, really. Like, I wanna get fit a little bit. I wanna watch Netflix a lot more. And so I don't, I don't do fitness that much. It's like, why would I run somewhere when I, I could walk there? And in fact, why would I go anywhere if I don't need to? Like, why would I just go and run around for five kilometers to nowhere? That's dumb. Why would, why would I lift heavy things just to put them down again? Why would I lift myself up into the air when I'm just gonna go down again? I could just stay there, it'd be much easier. The issue is me. And so I'm never gonna get that fit or that buff as long as I am me. And so probably that's it for me and my fitness and my buffness until the doctor says, you will die unless you do this. And I'm like, oh, death, fitness, Netflix. <laughs> now I, I tell you this because we're looking at Romans 8, but funnily enough, I'm gonna tell you something, some deep biblical insight now. Before Romans 8 comes Romans 7. Yeah, and uh, in Romans 7, Paul is uh, writing uh, to the people in Rome, and this is a church that he's never uh, met before, he's really keen to, uh, and he's, telling them, he's told them all the way through Romans, he's told them all about the love of God and what God has done for them in Jesus and how, you know, they've been people who are under God's wrath, but he's rescued them from slavery to sin and death, and, and he gets to this point in Romans 7 where he's talking about what it's like being someone who is trying really hard to follow God, but is getting it wrong. And someone who knows what God's good law is, and knows what God has said and how you should live, but he just doesn't manage to do that. He says, the things that I want to do, I do not do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. He knows what God wants, but he just can't live up to it. He doesn't manage to achieve the things that God wants him to achieve. Because the issue is not what's outside of him, but the issue is what's inside of him. The issue is him. And so for him to be someone who can honor God by the way that he lives, for him to be someone to live up to God's law, he needs a change. 
And the change can't be an outside change. It's got to be an inside change. He needs a new life. Uh, at the end of Romans uh, chapter 7, oh look, there we are. That's what the talk's about. Uh, at the end of Romans chapter 7, uh, he says this. He says, What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's got to this point of despair where he's like, who's going to rescue me from me? Because I am the problem here. So he needs this new life. And so that's what Romans chapter 8 is starting from. That he is feeling condemned by God's law because he can't live up to it. And so he needs something new to happen. And so that's what we're going to look at through this first part of Romans chapter 8 is what does it mean to become a new you? How do you get this new life that God offers you? And we're going to see that uh, when we get a new life in Jesus, we get a new status and we get a new ruler and out of that we get new desires. So let's, uh, let's go to the first bit. Uh, this is the new status. And if we're going to, we're going to have a look at... Here we are. This is verses 1 to 4 from chapter 8. And if I got a different version from you, then uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow along. This is what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What this is saying is that for Paul, as Paul who's written this, he is feeling condemned by God's law. And that God's law does condemn him because he hasn't been able to live up to God's standards. But God gives him new life in Jesus. And when God gives him new life in Jesus... He is no longer condemned by the law. He is no longer condemned by God's law because Jesus lives up to God's law on his behalf. So there's no longer any condemnation for him. Now, I don't know what you guys are like uh, with making lists and stuff. Every now and then, I get around to making myself a to-do list. And I feel really great about myself. I'll make my to-do list. And I'm like, I've got to do this, 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 got to do this. I've got it all on the list. And then I feel like, great, I've got a great day ahead of me just ticking things off the list. And when I tick stuff off the list, I feel like I'm doing really well. It's like, ate breakfast. Well done. Put on pants. Well done. And it's like, got, got himself a, uh, a, a bag to put stuff in. Well done. And then packed the bag. Nah, didn't manage to get that far. And then the rest of the list, after like eating and getting dressed, everything after that kind of just often falls apart. And so there's this list which first looks really great. And then, you know, if I got it all done, it would be amazing. But because I don't achieve everything on the list, the list is there shouting at me saying, you are a failure. You did not get stuff done, Tom. You are rubbish at packing your bag. You didn't, you didn't pay those bills that you should have paid. Why didn't you reply to that email? You got nothing done. And the list is there condemning me. 
Now, if I got everything done on the list, it'd be great. And the list is a great list. But the list itself, because I don't get it done, it condemns me. Now, what the, the law of God is kind of like, this is not a, the, you know, it's not a perfect analogy, but the law of God is kind of like that. The law of God shows us how God wants us to live, and it's a good law. But when we don't live up to it, it becomes bad for us, and we become condemned because of it. But what this is saying is that Jesus Christ lived up to the law. He lived up to God's law. He completed the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf. And the punishment, the Bible tells us, for not living up to God's law is death. Because we haven't achieved what God wanted us to achieve, we get punished with death. But Jesus Christ dies for us. He takes the punishment himself so that we no longer are condemned by the law. We are no longer going to be punished because we didn't live up to God's law. But we are now set free from the law of sin and death. And we are free now to live in the power and life of the Spirit. There is no condemnation for us. Because we haven't lived up to God's law, Jesus has done it for us. There's no condemnation for us. The law would say that we are guilty, but because of what Jesus has done, it says we are not guilty. The law would say that we are condemned to death, but because Jesus was condemned on our behalf, the law, the, we are now able to live a new life to have new life in Jesus. The new life that we get from trusting in Jesus means that we get a new status before God. There is no condemnation. God says that you are loved. God says that you are set free from sin and death. God says that you are innocent because Jesus has made you innocent. God says that you are righteous because Jesus has made you righteous. That is your new status. There is no condemnation for you. That's what Romans 8, 1 tells us. It's amazing. Now, the issue is that we often don't quite believe this. And while what God says about us is true, we will believe other things. We will still look back at the old law, at the things that we haven't achieved, and condemn ourselves for it. We'll say we are sinful people. We are unlovable people. We are people who God should punish. We are people who don't deserve God's love at all. We condemn ourselves. And other people will condemn us. Other people will say that we aren't good enough, that we aren't interesting enough, that we aren't useful. We have condemn condemnation from other people. The Bible tells us that Satan condemns us, that he will whisper in our ear, he'll say, why would God love you? Why would God care about you? Have you seen the things that you've done? Do you know the things that you are thinking about? They are disgusting. Why would God love you? But the Bible tells us, Romans 8 tells us that there is no condemnation from those who are, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever you say about yourself, whatever other people say about you, whatever Satan says about you, if it's not what God says about you, you don't need to worry about it. It's not true. And God says that you are loved. 
God says that you are righteous because of Jesus. God says that you are innocent because of Jesus. So everyone else's condemnation, your own condemnation, Satan's condemnation, it doesn't matter. You can ignore it. You can say, that's not true. You can remind yourself and you can remind other people and you can remind Satan of what the Bible says about you and what Jesus has done for you at the cross and that is that you are set free from sin and death. That you are loved by God. You have been saved by Him. You have been given a new life. There is no condemnation for you. This is amazing news. You are a new person because of Jesus. You don't have to listen to all those other lies. All you need to know is the truth. And that there is a God and that He loves you and He loves you so much. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you and to give you new life in Him. That is your new status. All right, so the next thing that we see is that we get a new ruler. So in our new life, we have a new status and we have a new ruler. Now we're going to skip a little bit down the passage. This is Romans 8, 9 to 11. So if you want to have a look at that, it says here, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even th then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What this is saying is that you have now moved. If you love and trust Jesus, if you've been saved by Jesus, you've moved from the realm of death into the realm of life, to the realm of the spirit. You have a new ruler if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit. And so you have a new ruler who you have to live for. Now, when I was a kid, my favorite sport was rugby league. Does anyone here have rugby league as their favorite sport? Yes. Hey! <laughs> this is a... I liked rugby league because I grew up in the West. And... Uh, that's not true. I don't know why I liked rugby league. I think my next-door neighbors liked rugby league, so I really wanted to be like them. So I liked rugby league. I loved rugby league. And I had a favorite team. My favorite team was the Parramatta Eels. Yeah, I loved the Parramatta Eels. They were the best team because they were blue and yellow and eels. <laughs> and my next-door neighbors liked them. That's why. So I loved the Parramatta Eels, and I'd watch the games and I got myself a jersey, and I got myself shorts, and I got myself the socks, and I'd walk around in my Parramatta uniform all the time. It was great. And then when I got old enough to actually start playing sport on the weekend, I said, Mom and Dad, I want to play rugby league. And they're like, okay. And so they took me to, um, took me to the local oval where we could sign up. And we, we got there, and they filled out the form, and, and I handed in the form. And then they stamped the form, and on the stamp... I noticed that it wasn't an eel on the stamp, but a bear. And the bear was the mascot for a team that no longer exists called the North Sydney Bears. And the North Sydney Bears, they were the local team for my area. I was in the north of Sydney, and so the North Sydney Bears, they were our team. And when I saw that, I was like, hold on a tick. I thought I was an eel, but that's a bear. What's going on? 
And I was like, hold on, I'm no longer in the realm of the eels, I'm in the realm of the bears. And I need to change. I need to change because I'm a bear now, I'm not an eel, I've got a new way to live. And so I got rid of my, my eels jersey and my eels shorts and my eels socks, they were gone and I got, I got a North Sydney Bears jersey and North Sydney Bears shorts and North Sydney Bears socks and then I watched those games and I cheered that team on and I loved the North Sydney Bears until they died in 1999 because Manly killed them. <laughs> But I changed because I, I, had a, I had a new realm to be in. I had a new rulers. I had new people to cheer for. I had a new allegiance. And that was to the bears. Well, what this is saying to us is when we've been saved by Jesus, we have a new ruler. It's not to the flesh. It's not to sin. It's not to death. Our ruler is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us and rules in our life. And so we've got to start living for that new ruler. A new ruler means a new way of living. We don't go back to the old ways. We often want to go back to the old ways. When I would see the, the eels play on TV, my heart would still feel for them. And we look back at our old life and our, our old way of living and we want to go back there because it feels familiar. It feels, it feels right. But it's not right because you have a new life, you have a new ruler and that's Jesus Christ and He rules in you. You have this Holy Spirit who who lives in you and helps you to live for God. You might want to go back to the old ways, but you have a new ruler to live for. So in Jesus, we get a new life, and that new life means a new status, a new ruler in your life. And last of all, it means that we get new desires. So if you want to, we get to skip back up the passage a little bit here. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and it says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And what this is saying is that when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And the th old things that you wanted to do, the old desires that you had to please your flesh, that is your sinful self, to do the things that were just about you, your, your selfish life, those desires are gone. And you've got new desires, a new way that you want to live. Now, I've noticed that as I've gotten older as a person, my desires have changed, particularly in the realm of food. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was just to eat bad food. I wanted to eat chips. I wanted to eat like the crunchy chips, like Smith's chips. I wanted to eat hot chips. I wanted to drink Coke. I wanted to eat chocolate. I wanted to eat popcorn, and if I spent my whole day just eating those things, I would finish the day and be like, yes, that was the best day ever. <laughs> and then now that I'm getting older, my desires are changing. I was at uh, the local RSL club with my wife and my father-in-law the other day, and I was looking at the board of what it said, and then it was like, there's, I was reading it, and I was like, oh, I could have like the steak, or I could have, you know, like the 
you know, like the baked potato. And then I saw like this, it was like the super salad. And I was like, oh, salad. And I was like, with halloumi. And I'm like, oh, halloumi. Oh, I love halloumi. When I was a kid, if someone said cheese, I'm like, cheese, disgusting. But I'm like, halloumi. I know that there are different types of cheese. There's not just one cheese. There's all these different cheeses. And I was like, and kale. I'm like, kale? Well, I don't know. And then I was like, and brown rice. Like, brown rice, the best kind of rice. And then, and beetroot. Like, oh, beetroot. Like, what's wrong with me? And then I sat down with my salad and it came out like, oh, yum, salad. And then I ate it. And then I was like, wow, I'm an amazing person. I just ate a salad and I liked it. I want some more. I was like, I'm going to go back again next week and buy more kale and halloumi salad. It'll be great. And then I'm like, Tom, you're like, child Tom hates you right now. You know, the, I still do like those old foods. I still want to drink Coke and eat popcorn and you know, eat chocolate. And if I spend a whole day doing that, I would think, yeah, this is really good until the end of the day when I'm like, that was really bad. My desires have changed. The things that I wanted before, I don't want so much anymore. If I do them, I don't like them the way that I used to like them. Now, what the Holy Spirit does in us is we get new desires when we start living for God is that we don't, know, don't want to do the things that we wanted to do anymore that we want to please God and live for Him. The things that we used to not be interested in, we're now interested in. And you may find that this, is, you, this has worked itself out in your life. That you used to love gossiping about your friends to find out who, who, you know, who liked who and you know, who did what to who and who got with who. You liked finding out all that stuff. But now it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know why that is? Because God is changing you. He's giving you new desires. Or maybe you really, you know, love just, you know, getting back at people who hurt you. But now when you, you know, give, give in to that impulse that you have, you do it and you don't feel that good about it anymore. And maybe you are someone who just didn't care about people who were less fortunate than you before. But now you find that actually you really enjoy giving the chance to serve other people. This is because God is working in you by His Holy Spirit and He's changing you and He's giving you new desires. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is about. When you read in Galatians and it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that is God working in you, making you like His Son, Jesus. So you desire His things. So we get a new life and we get a new status and we get a new ruler which comes with new desires. This is the great stuff that God is doing for us in our new life. So that we can live differently for Him. We become new people. The last thing that we have to see here is that because we have this new life, uh, we have to put to death the old way of doing things. So if you have a look at uh, verses 12 and 13, it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, there is still within us those old desires. And we still want to go back to the old life. And so what this is saying is saying, you've got to kill that old life. You've got to get rid of everything in you that wants to disobey God. 
You've got to destroy it. You've got to put it to death because that's not who you are anymore. You have a new life, which means you have a new way of living. So put the old life to death. When I was 23, I moved out of my parents' home for the first time ever moving anywhere. And so I, I moved out of home and I loved living out of home. And since then, though, I've never lived in a house uh, more than two years for any one time, which means that sometimes I get a little bit confused about where my home is. When I've just moved, sometimes I just go on autopilot to my old place of residence. Like I have, have multiple times been driving home from work and, I, and then I just find myself almost like to my parents' house. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't live here anymore. Oh, goodness me. And I'll turn around and then I have to, you know, go wind my way back and then go to my new house, the new place that I live. And when I leave to go home, I have to remind myself, Tom, don't go, don't go to the old place. You don't live there anymore. And so I prepare myself for the journey home. And I'm like, before I get in the car, I'm like, remember, Tom, go to your new home. Don't go to the old one. You don't live there anymore. And then as I get to the nearer the turnoff, I'm reminding myself, you don't live there anymore. And then I get closer to the turnoff, I look at it, I'm like, you don't live there anymore. You don't live there anymore. You don't live there anymore. And then I keep going, I'm like, I don't live there anymore. And I keep going. And that's, and that's how I need to get home because I've, I have to remind myself that I live somewhere new. Now, I could go to the old place, but I don't live there anymore. My parents would be like, what are you doing here? Your stuff isn't here. You're, you know, we love you, but you don't belong here. You're a grown person. Go home. I could do that, but I have a new life. I have a new way of living. So I have to remind myself, I don't live there anymore. You know, we need to do that for ourselves. Remind ourselves that we have a new life. To keep reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus. And that we don't go back to our old life. We keep reminding ourselves, I don't live there anymore. When you're tempted to disobey God, you remind yourself, I don't live there anymore. When you want to, you know, get revenge on your brother or sister, you remind yourself, I don't live there anymore. When you want to blow up at someone, at your parents, you say, oh no, I don't live there anymore. When you're tempted to look at porn on the internet, you say, hold on, I don't live there anymore. I don't do that. When you want to gossip about your friends, you say, hold on, I don't, I don't live there anymore. When you, when you want to date someone who you know you shouldn't date, you remind yourself, hold on, no. I don't live there anymore. Keep reminding yourself. And what does that mean? It means you keep telling yourself the gospel. You keep telling yourself the good news of what Jesus has done for you. That you used to be dead in your transgressions and sins, but now you have been given new life in Jesus Christ. You used to be someone who gave in to your sinful desires, but now you have a new ruler. You have new desires. That you were someone who was condemned to death, but Jesus Christ died on your behalf. And Jesus Christ rose again so that you might rise with him. You keep telling yourself that to remind yourself that you don't live there anymore. And you know what? You're surrounded by other people who they don't live there anymore either, so you need to tell them the good news. Keep reminding them the good news of what Jesus has done for them. Now this...
passage says that you've got to put it to death, which is pretty extreme. So if, you know, in my analogy of going home, what I would actually have to do is go to my parents' house and blow it up and then, you know, like, (laughs) destroy the road between their house and my house, which wouldn't be very kind to my parents. But that's how much we have to hate our old life. We're willing to destroy the old life because we know that there is death and we don't live there anymore. We live in a new life in Jesus Christ. We have a new life. We have a new way of living. So we remember who we are in Jesus and we live that out with our new desires, with our new ruler, with our new status in Jesus. Because we live in him now. We don't live there anymore. I'm going to say a prayer for us. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have no condemnation when we trust in him. We thank you that you did everything needed for us to be set free from the law of sin and death, that we might have life in you. I pray that you will help us to live for you now, to remember who we are in you, to know that with our new life comes a new way of living, and I pray that we will live that life in you. Amen.